0: Hi and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan and join me as we step into Judy and the Art of Self-Defense in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. You gotta get a little deeper. It really ain't that far. Two movies on the slate to review today. I... I don't know. I I I I, well, I thought I was going to be seeing something on Thursday night, either Gemini Man or uh, the Adams Family, and that did not happen. So instead of doing a review or statistics episode for one of those, do other new movies that have come out recently, ish, uh, you know, this year uh, that I finally got that I've seen recently uh, will be talked about uh, in somewhat of a short order. Uh, going to be not a blitzing. Fast episode uh, today, but um, you know, I, I just—it's a very hectic time uh, for me with all the other non-podcast stuff on my plate. So, gonna try hit this stuff, uh, do what I can, talk about it as I can, and, and then uh, get out. So, let's go to Judy first. Judy is a biopic uh, about. Judy Garland, starring Renee Zellweger. It's gotten a little bit of an Oscar buzz for for Renee. I think she's got a good shot at a nomination, uh, at this point in the game anyway. Uh, it also stars Rufus Sewell, Finn Wittrock, Michael Gambone, Jesse Buckley, uh, among others. And it is directed by Rupert Gould. He is the director of nothing else that I've seen, but he directed... Uh, True Story, from 2015, starring James Franco and Jonah Hill. And Judy came out two weekends ago, and has done very well at the box office, considering uh, what it is and how it was released. And I think a lot of that is just, you know, a lot of people really like Judy Garland. I think she's an iconic figure in Hollywood. Uh, She is a very uh, supportive, or was rather a, a very supportive, um, just person of of you know. Uh, there's a lot of lot of connection between Judy and uh, the LGBTQ rights and things like that. Uh, you know, she just she has a she has a pronounced presence, and when you watch the movie, you absolutely see that. You absolutely feel that. Even when she's not trying to take over a room or to to attract everyone's attention, you can't help but feel like she is. You know her, her just her aura, her presence, whatever you want to call it, is dynamic. And I think in that respect, Zellweger captures it perfectly. Um, Garland, you know, was huge. She, she was in The Wizard of Oz. That was the big one. I think that's still the big one that most people uh, can can would put her in, and and even if you're not a big film fan, uh, you know generally you know that she was in *Wizard of Oz*. After that, it's a little more little diceier. She was in *Meet Me in St. Louis*, uh, the '50s version of *A Star is Born*. She had a role in *Judgment at Nuremberg*, and so on down the line, uh, getting slightly more and more obscure as you go she only lived to be 47 uh she she which is very much a shame even in her toward the end of her life she had a beautiful voice uh it was unfortunate some of the uh circumstances that she was in and the movie goes into detail about those elements so the movie takes place in 68 she died in 69 uh, the winter of sixty-eight, even, and it is a very rough time in Garland's life. During the film, there are flashbacks to the, uh, to the to the. What I just said—the name of the movie. What was it? Uh, I don't know why I forget. The Wizard of Oz. Jeez. <laughs> there are flashbacks to the Wizard of Oz time in her career. And. I liked those to a degree. I think there could have been more done with them, but I, I think it helps shake up the the typical biopic formula a little bit, which this otherwise adheres to quite significantly. Uh, but you know, getting anything different from the standard sequencing of events is helpful. Also, the film is fairly narrow in its focus on on Judy taking place. Uh, in her trip to London to perform at some of the sold out concerts there, I didn't exactly know how long the film was supposed to span, uh, if it was a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months. But having it be restricted to that small of a time period and not span, you know, decades of her career as it could have, I, I think is a smart choice. I think it helps zero in on a single element of her life and by focusing on that it streamlines the film a little more it it allows uh, for a little more time to live in the moments that we're seeing with the characters rather than just knocking out plot points along the way of her life like okay this is where she was in this movie in that movie in this movie drugs that movie oscars that movie oscars drugs whatever it's no 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 this is one moment, this is, you know, watching her develop with this relationship with this person or with this person. You know, understanding her relationship with her kids, understanding her relationship with her audience, with her fans, and, and her ability to perform and her ability to uh, fail, in some sense. And so, there are a lot of, there are many worse decisions that the film could have made, uh, both from a structural and, and writing and uh, standpoint uh that said i think the film is fine as as a whole i think it's very emotional it's definitely going to tug at the heartstrings uh, especially toward the end i think i not to spoil the ending but i wish the film had cut a little earlier out of uh judy's last performance uh, at um, in London, which is a shame. I think it's a much stronger ending that way. But alas, they they did not. And I think she, you know, I mean, you mean I mean you can't really get much more from this than Selwiger's performance. I don't think it has a shot to be you know a writing or a picture or a supporting performance contender in any of the other categories. The costumes are only fine. The makeup is only fine. It it just kind of coasts along outside of Zellweger's performance. There are multiple times where Judy sings in the film and gives us a a song. And some of them look really good. And and it really does seem like Zellweger is the one singing. And maybe she is every time. I, I don't know. And it's just kind of overlaid afterward but there are definitely songs where she is not singing live or the audio that is being played during those scenes is not su- synced up perfectly with uh Zellweger and that's having like that's kind of frustrating and so you know it it has its ups and it has its downs and it it definitely hit me emotionally you know and I'm sure it'll hit a lot of people emotionally. I think it has. You know, I think judging by its reception and the the audience reaction, I think it has uh, affected quite a few people. We were in a fairly crowded uh, room when we saw the film, and yeah, I, I don't. I think it'll be something that people will talk about. But I do think it it, it, it adheres much too closely to the biopic formula. For me to really say it's anything Special In that regard There's one nitpicky thing That I that Really frustrated me So uh, In the film Judy Develops a relationship with a guy Named Mickey That's the Finn Wittrock character And simultaneously There is The flashback sequence uh, To when during the um, Wizard of Oz period of her life, uh, and in that scene, those scenes, Darcy Shaw is who plays Judy Garland, and the strange part is that at the time she was, you know, kind of in this pseudo relationship with Mickey Rooney, as you know the tabloids would have you believe, and so. It seems I, I mean I, I would assume they're they're accurate in, in this portrayal of, of the life of Judy Carlin, but it was just very jarring to see her talking to Mickey and calling this guy Mickey in the present, and then flashing back twenty years, twenty-five years, and still talking to Mickey, and it's obviously not the same person, but I don't know, it was just very jarring and it felt very strange to include that distinction I don't know it was it was. I don't know it just kind of threw me out of it for a second every time it happened and uh I just I guess I just found that tiny bit tiny bit frustrating for me might not affect anyone else but it was very it was a little weird for me uh so all that said I think Judy is fine I think it's it's right around that that average mark for me I think the the formulaic biopic side of the film slightly edges out what I appreciated that it did in this in this film uh and I think Zellweger as great as she is uh she does not make my top 10 lead performances for the year at the at the moment so uh I don't know. I mean, it's a strong year for me. I don't know that everyone else sees it the same way. And, yeah. I don't know. Judy. 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 So, that's Judy. Not the best, but hardly the worst. Far from the worst. Far from the worst. Let's get into a film that's a little more strange. uh, And that is The Art of Self Defense. This is also a 2019 film. Uh, it did come out earlier in the year. I did not get a chance to see it, but I finally caught up with it uh, last couple of days. It is a. It is directed by Riley Stearns, Stearns, who directed Faults from 2014, which stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Leland Orser, and is a film I very much enjoy. Uh, it's very low budget. It it, it really showcases Stern's abilities as a director and, and a lot and the Orser and Winstead's you know abilities as performers as a, and it revolves around a you know mysterious cult named Faults and Winstead is has joined and is under the grip of the new cult and and her parents are trying to free her so Knowing that, I was excited for Art of Self-Defense I'd heard some good stuff about it Some of the people I know have said good things about it as well So, looking forward to it It stars Jesse Eisenberg, Alessandro Nivola, Imogen Poots, among others And I had no idea what the movie was about I'd seen pictures of it, uh, you know, a lot of karate uh, imagery and, and dojo elements in the artwork, so I had, a, I had a sense that it would revolve around that, but beyond that, I didn't really know what was happening, and the film, to its credit, unfolds very slowly at first, and then once it hits, it eventually hits that second gear, and and then it's off to the races with what's happening. So, early in the film, Jesse Eisenberg, playing the character Casey, is attacked uh, and mugged, I think, or, or just beaten at least. Uh, and feeling weak, feeling vulnerable, feeling like he needs to be able to stand up for himself, he enlists at a local dojo led by Alessandro Nivola, who is the sensei. And it starts out as, you know, a kind of a movie like this would. It has a, a very odd Wes Anderson sensibility to it. It's a little off-kilter, and you don't feel completely at home in what you're seeing. And so, to that end, I think it's very obvious that there's more coming, that things are going to take this twist, that, that it's more than meets the eye. And leading up to that, the film is fairly straightforward, you know. He meets Imogen Poots, who's one of the teachers at uh, the dojo, and you know, he gets to know one of the guys at the dojo. And he deals with, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough for this. And he slowly, you know, he eventually works his way up to one, the next belt up kind of thing. And it all just, it's very routine. It's very it's very natural and very obvious. And then, and then, we get the turn. Then we get the turn. Uh, so... Not 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 no, no spoilers really for for how the film progresses, but the turn of the film basically shifts things from this is about a guy trying to uh, learn how to defend himself and and learn how to take control of himself, and it becomes more about a guy who's struggling to to find a way to balance and rationalize the fact that the people he's now encountering, the people he's now engaging with, so the dojo specifically these people are doing things that he doesn't, he that he does not agree with he, he does not support, he does not condone but on the other side, he kind of finds himself you know, stumbling backward into doing those things so, you know, he, he he can't fully distance himself from them, even though he wants to. And it, it's it's a very interesting dynamic that flows through Jesse Eisenberg at that point. And, you know, Imogen Poots is caught in the middle of it. And I, I guess for me, it, it feels very fight club. I think it does the Fight Club thing uh, in its own way. And I don't know that it's necessarily better. I don't think it's a better movie than Fight Club. And I don't think it addresses its themes as well. But I do think it does them you know, more than capably. And I think you've got great performances from the trio of leads in Eisenberg, Navola, and Poots. I think they're all fantastic And Stearns crafts this world that is so hyper-masculine. And you've got Nivola, who embodies everything about that. And you've got Eisenberg, who thinks he wants to, and at times enjoys it, but also rails against it. And then you've got Poots, who is a woman in this world, and trying to figure out how she fits into it. Is she capable of being on their level in this hyper-masculine environment? Is she doomed to never reach it? Does she want it anyway? And playing those three characters against each other in all the different scenarios that take place over the second half of the movie is is so fascinating. And I really enjoyed watching it, I think it does, it does have a slow buildup, it does take a little time to kind of get rolling, but once it does, it's kind of un- this unstoppable juggernaut of a film, it's not very long, you know, an hour and 40 minutes, uh, to, to, from start to finish, and it, it, I don't know, it, it feels like at least in this, it feels like Riley Stern's update on, on Fight Club for the 2019 generation year, whatever. And, you know, it's not perfect. I don't think it's as good as faults is personally, but I think there's a lot of, a lot to look for, or a lot to glean from this movie. And I think it makes a lot of sense for this to have been made. You know, I, i don't I don't wish that I'd seen it earlier, but I think that it's um it's something I'm very glad I got to see and that I didn't you know let it pass me by I think it was worth seeing I don't think it has any chance of you know being any winning awards or anything like that which is unfortunate but it um it's good it's 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 definitely an interesting movie and and definitely worth checking out. Uh, probably check out a trailer if you're unsure, but I liked it. The Art of Self-Defense by Riley Stearns uh, is, uh, you know, a strong film, and I think more so for me, you know, having seen Faults and, and knowing what Stearns is capable of, it was nice to see that he kind of reaffirmed that he has the capacity to make these strong, personal, and unique films and it's strange, you know, say like this is kind of a you know how how much I've compared this to Fight Club to call it unique, but it is unique. I think it does have a lot of unique elements to it. And um I, I'm I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. And I think it's worth worth a watch if um if you're into that sort of thing. Because, man, hypermasculinity is Awful It just, it it is, it is So The Art of Self-Defense From Riley Stearns, 2019 film I gave it, I think a 67 I want to say It was high 60s, mid-high 60s So, yeah Art of Self-Defense, Judy Definitely appealing to different crowds And mm, Probably a good bet that if you liked one, you probably wouldn't like the other. Maybe. Maybe that's a little yeah, its a little presumptive. Maybe that's a little presumptive. That said, uh, that's about it, though. That's about it for the episode. I um, appreciate everyone who listens. If you'd like to find more episodes, iTunes, Stitcher, places where podcasts can be found, or head over to the website, com. If you'd like to find me... Find me on Letterboxd, Circle of Film. Find me on Twitter at Circle of Film. You can also email the show, Circle of Film at gmail.com. If you'd like to support it, support us, support me, you can like it, like, rate, review, subscribe, uh, tell people about it, just listen. That's it. Just listen. And if you are so inclined, you can become a patron at patreon.com/slash circle of film for as little as eight cents an episode, which give you early access to all the episodes that are released early. Thank you for listening, and as always, have a week. So long farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll never leave me. Even as she fades from- Nothing's really left or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever only out of place So long farewell oh warabi be just saying Wait a, minute. Wait a minute Wait a minute So long